0: Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Luke this morning, Luke chapter fourteen. It just so happens, and this was not by design. Well, it was by design, just not ours. It was the Holy Spirit's that uh, I am preaching this morning on exactly what we just sang about. We all sang, "I have decided to follow Jesus." I I hope that's true, but you know what? With even with a congregation this size, and we're a little smaller than usual. but uh, even with a congregation this size, I, I realize that uh, some of us could be mouthing the words and, and really uh, not having it take place in our hearts. So what we're going to look at this morning is, uh, is uh, what the Bible says about being a disciple. You hear a lot today about discipleship, and you hear a lot, I hear a lot, about discipleship programs. I got news for you, discipleship is not... A program. Now, I'm not against discipleship programs or anything like that that would encourage people to follow the Lord, but it's not a program. It, it, is, it is really, first and foremost, it's a heart attitude, and then it's followed by actions. So with that in mind, let's all stand together. Luke chapter 14, and look with me in verses 25 down through verse 27. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father... We pray that uh, as we take a look this morning in Scripture and what the Scripture says about being being a disciple of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Help us to be honest before you this morning. And, uh, Lord, if there's anything that is uh, hindering us from being a true disciple, I pray that we would resolve that thing between us and you this morning and go on and follow you. Our our country right now is in an absolute mess it's in turmoil and uh father quite frankly it would be i don't know that we would that we would necessarily turn it around but we've sure certainly given an opportunity to turn around if everyone who who uh believed on the name of christ and who uh is is a saved born again christian would just Decide to follow Jesus Christ. Just decide to be a disciple. And uh, Lord, we could we could definitely put put a dent in uh, the tragedy and the disaster that's hitting our country. Uh, Lord, help us to, to see how important being a disciple is. Work in our hearts, and as you speak to our hearts this morning, may we respond to you for us. In Jesus' name we pray. We pray. For, and all God's people said. Amen, you may be seated. So the question is the, this morning, are you a disciple? Are you a disciple? What is a disciple? Now, let me just say this to you. Uh, you don't follow Christ in order to get salvation. okay? I just I got a letter, I think it was either this week or last, from someone who uh, evidently in town watching either watching the broadcast, on, uh, on television, uh, on the uh, public access channel, or watching it online, I don't know which, but uh, was uh, was upset because I said that you don't have to physically do anything in order to be saved. Well, you can't, you don't have to physically do anything because God says it's a gift. It's not of works lest any man should boast. can't be any clearer than that. And so understand that when we talk about being a disciple, we're not, talking about, we're not talking about you be a disciple in order to be saved. You have to be saved in order to be a disciple. Salvation comes first, and that's by realizing you're a sinner on your way to hell. You you turn from your sin, you turn to Christ. You trust him and him alone, what he did for you on the cross. Not of works. It's not baptism. It's not church membership. It's not being a good person. It's not going to church. Uh, Those things all may be good and well, but those are not things that give you salvation. Salvation is a gift and it comes through the Lord Jesus Christ and by believing on him. Then once you become saved and you ask him for mercy and he saves your soul, from that day forward, God expects us to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, what is a disciple? Well, just the the generic term disciple means one who receives instruction from another. It's one who follows another and it's an adherent to the doctrines of another. And, of course, all of that can be applied to our following and, and, uh, and receiving instruction from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's what it is not necessarily. It's, ne- it's not necessarily someone who claims to be one. You can claim, you know, it's just like we get up and we sing, oh, how I love Jesus. Now, have you ever sung that song and realized you're a hypocrite? I have. I have. Way too often. And uh, uh, it's, the same, it's the same thing when it comes to being a disciple. We can say we're a disciple, but it's not what we say. It's, it's how we respond to him. Uh, it's not necessarily one who studies the teachings and doctrines of God. Uh, you can you, you know, one of the things that, that uh, uh, got a hold of me early in the Christian life is that you can be you can be straight as a gun barrel when it comes to doctrine and still not be not be following Jesus Christ. It's not just what you adhere to. It's, it's uh, not necessarily one who has been around for a while. You know, Just because you've got longevity in the Christian life does not necessarily mean that you're a disciple. Um, and, and you could be a disciple one moment and then lose your discipleship. Now, you can never lose your salvation in all God's people's head, but you can lose your discipleship. Good example of this, in the Gospels, is when after the resurrection, uh, Mary was told to go tell the disciples and Peter. The disciples and Peter? I thought Peter was a disciple. Well, he was, but he lost it. He, st- he stopped following the Lord, he denied him three times. So uh, it's, it's, you know, discipleship is something that we need, to, we need to follow and we need to be a disciple, but we can lose it. Um, uh, disciple is not necessarily everyone who is saved, though, quite frankly, it should be. It should be every one of us. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, not necessarily exclusive uh, to those that are in the ministry. Uh, now everyone is in the ministry that, or has a ministry of any kind. So, as, you know, Sunday school teacher, master clubs, uh, gone on a visitation, whatever it is, you, you prayer warrior. Uh, all of us need to be disciples. But just because we're involved in ministry does not mean necessarily that we're a disciple. And and not everyone, and, and this is gonna this is gonna grab you here a little bit possibly, but not everyone who prays, studies and reads scripture, and faithfully attends church is necessarily a disciple. Although, if a person is a disciple, they'll do all of those things. But just doing those things alone does not make you a disciple. So, what is it that that uh, causes us to be a disciple of Christ? Well. We're going to take a look at some some, uh, requirements, some things that God says that we need to do in order to follow Jesus Christ and be be one of his disciples, be a disciple of Christ. In Luke chapter 14, look with me uh, down in verse 26. It says, "If, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife, and children and brethren and sisters yea in his own life also he cannot be my disciple now there's cults that have grabbed a hold of that verse and twisted it and I remember back in the in the early 70s uh, some of the the Jesus freak cults grabbed a hold of that thing and said you need to go home and tell your parents that you hate their guts and then walk away from them and never see them again. That is not what that passage is talking about. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. One thing I love about Scripture is Scripture interprets Scripture, and it's a self-defining book. Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is talking about the same thing, talking about discipleship, and in verse 37... He says it says this he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me so in the in the bible when it is used in this in this fashion hate does not mean blowing up your fist and having an angry look on your face and having your heart turn against somebody it just simply means that, that the, uh, the love that you feel for, those, for that, that person is not as much as the love you feel for someone else. Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Uh, I love that dictionary because there's, there's uh, not only are the, for the most part, are the uh, definitions biblical, but they actually use Bible verses in it. And uh, they said this. This was the second definition of hate second definition of hate was in Scripture it signifies to love less and that's exactly what what he's talking about here what he's saying is is that your love for Christ needs to be above all in other words there's nobody that you ought to love more than you love the Lord Jesus Christ that's why the Bible says, Jesus said, I love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy, thy strength, with all thy mind. Uh, we, we need to, to have him as the very top love in our life. Um, you think about it, this, this last week. Who was it, this last week, that you tried to please the most? Who did you, who did you put forth the most effort in pleasing and putting a smile on their face well you know there's a lot of people in our lives and we need to be a blessing and and have a servant's heart and a whole nine yards but uh let me tell you there isn't anybody that we ought to have purposefully tried to please more than god Uh, god ought to be number one on our list in john in john 21 uh, you don't need to turn there but that's the that's the account of Peter and the, the disciples, uh, they're, they're in the boat. They see Jesus. He's cooking on the, some fish on the fire. And so they go, they go to shore, and Jesus and, and uh, uh, Peter have a conversation. And three different times, Peter is asked by the Lord, lovest thou me more than these? And three times, he says, I love thee, I love thee. And by, by, the, by the third time, he got a, little, got a little exasperated. Now, I believe the reason why he asked him three times is because he denied him three times. And that was, that was Peter getting right with the Lord, and that was the Lord telling him that he needed to get that thing rec- rectified. And, uh, and, and he did so, and it was done very privately, really, be, just between the two of them but then he, then christ con, concluding comments to peter he said lovest thou me lovest thou me lovest thou me then he said follow me follow me uh it's it's not enough to to just follow god we need to follow him out of a heart of love uh, the reason why i put this as the number one the number one requirement is because your heart and where your attitude is is the most important thing. Um, john chapter fourteen and and verse twenty one, turn with me over there for just a moment, if you would. john fourteen twenty one. John chapter fourteen and verse twenty one. Jesus says this. He says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Is it good to keep his commandments? Yes, but it's good to keep his commandments out a heart of love. And by the way, uh, you can keep his commandments for a while and not love it, but it won't last. It won't last. It'll fall by the wayside. It's our heart toward God that is of utmost importance. Uh, you go to the uh, uh, book of Revelation, Revelation uh, chapter, chapters 2 and 3, and God addresses the seven churches of, of Asia. The very first church that he addresses is the church at Ephesus. And basically, he commends those folks. He tells them, listen, you, you've taken the right stands, you have the right beliefs, You've got the right actions. He says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Now what that tells me is we can go through the motions and you know what I'm talking about. You know, I I, I would think just about everybody here if not everybody here uh, knows exactly what I'm talking about. You can go through the motions and your heart is not in it and your heart will only be in it if you have that supreme love for Jesus Christ. And uh, no love should surpass that love for him. So that's the number one, first and foremost, requirement for a disciple. Second one, go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. And honestly, and I don't say this because I'm preaching, but this is a good message to, to take notes on because I, I don't know about you, but I like checklists. And uh, oftentimes, I'll go back to different checklists and say, "Am I doing this? Am I doing this? Am I doing this? Am I doing..." Well, when it comes to being a disciple of Christ, it's good to just be reminded. You know, it, 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 is everything in a roll? <laughs> Am I following you the way that I'm, I should be following you? And I do all these all these things check out? Matthew chapter sixteen. Look down at verse twenty-four with me, if you would. Verse 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Second requirement is to deny yourself, deny yourself. Now, uh, to deny yourself does not mean just to merely give up certain things. It's more than that. It's an attitude and it's it's a mindset. What 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 he's talking about here is when he says deny yourself, he's talking about relinquishing your personal rights to your life. Bible tells us that uh, we are not our own once we get saved because we're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your in your body and your spirit, which are God's. We don't own us anymore, and so we don't have personal rights. Uh, our 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 desire ought to be, and our purpose ought to be, to serve and honor the Lord Jesus Christ in all things. In other words, you no longer call the shots. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Uh, you let God call the shots. Uh, back uh, years ago, when I was in Bible college, I was at a I was at a, a missions conference that our church was having. Seminole Baptist Temple was the church I attended. And uh, we, were, we were having a, a, a missions conference, and I'm telling you, God got all over me in that missions conference. And uh, uh, I really felt impressed by God that he wanted me to surrender to the mission field, to be a missionary. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to surrender to the field to be a missionary. And th- this thing went, I don't know, four or five days, something like that. And uh, I fought the Lord, and I fought the Lord, and I fought the Lord. Finally, uh, one invitation, and I I don't remember the message. I just remember the Spirit of God just really tugging on my heart. And I went forward, and I said, okay, God, I I surrender to you. Anywhere you want me to go. Uh, you want me to go to a foreign country? I'll go to a foreign country. Uh, you want me to go to, a, a, you know, the Bush area? It's not something I'd want to do, but Lord, uh, that's something. If you want me to do it, if it'll please you, it'll please me. And as soon, and I mean, I I noticed this immediately, and it got stronger as as time went on. That whole burden of being a missionary just left. And I remember talking to the Lord about it a couple of days later. I said, Lord, what in the world's going on? You worked on me and you worked on me and you worked on me about being surrendered to be a missionary. I surrendered to be a missionary, and now you've lifted that burden and you're not giving me any direction or anything. What is going on? Obviously, I didn't end up going to some foreign land. We're here. But, uh, but the, my point is, is that God made it very clear to me that he didn't necessarily want me to be a missionary. He wanted me to be surrendered to be a missionary. In other words, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. You know, what, what our problem is oftentimes, we have a checklist and we say, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do except... You know, and you hear the old joke, whatever you do, don't say, I'll go anywhere you want me to go but Alaska. I'll go anywhere that you want me to go but, uh, but the, the, the bushes of Brazil. Uh, I'll go anywhere because then God will call you there. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. But he does want you to be surrendered. And he does want you to have a heart that's willing to go wherever he wants you to go. It's not... Your life. It's his life. Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And notice this progression of thought in the, in the, the book of Philippians. Philippians 1 and verse 21 says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. When he says, for me to live is Christ, what he's saying is, Christ is my life. He did, he, he is not saying Christ is a part of my life. Uh-uh. No. He's saying, everything about my life is surrounding one person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Go to chapter 2. And look in verses 5 through 8 the mindset that Christ had, he said he, was a, he, had, he wasn't worried about his reputation. It says that he took upon himself a form of a servant, and he went around doing things for others rather than doing things for himself. In other words, your life is not your life, it's his. And that's what having a, a servant spirit is all about, is uh, 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 is is giving your life to Christ and being a servant of His. Go down to chapter 3 and look in verses 7 through 10. It says, But what things were gained to me? Those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of, of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, at the at, uh, through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Now, you know, every time I've... I, I, read verse 10 i'm constantly reminded you know he says that i may know him well did paul know jesus christ well yes he did of course uh, he was his savior and he'd been serving him for years when he wrote this however what he's saying is he says i want to know you more i want to I, I want to uh, enjoy the fellowship of your of your sufferings i want to enjoy and be a part of the power of of, of your resurrection—that's uh, only possible when we deny ourselves, and that's what denying ourselves is all about. So oftentimes we think, "Well, it just means I can't have this and I can't have that." No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with with that alone. It has to do with us coming to God and saying, "Listen, uh, you call the shots. You call whatever you want. That's what I want. Whatever you desire, that's what I desire." And that's having a servant's heart. A servant is, is, is told where to serve. They don't choose. A servant's told how to serve. They don't choose. And a servant, according to the book of Job, uh, desires the shadows if he's got a servant's heart. Uh, what does that mean? It means he doesn't want the credit for it. He wants the one who is, is master to get the credit. And that ought to be the heart attitude that we have As we follow Christ. The the third requirement, go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. In Matthew chapter 16, I want you to look with me down in verse 24. Matthew 16 and verse 24. Matthew sixteen twenty four says, "Then Jesus, then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me." So the next thing is to deny our uh, after after denying ourselves is to take up our cross and follow him. Uh, what what does that mean? Go to go to Matthew chapter ten. Back up just a little bit. Matthew chapter ten. And look in verses uh, 24 and 25. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. He, it is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Be willing to take whatever approach that comes. Because of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 that he endured the cross, despising the shame. He didn't enjoy it, but he was willing to go through it, number one, because his father wanted him to, number two, because he was doing it for you and for me. And uh, if, if your goal is to be popular as a Christian, you'll never be a disciple. I get really nervous. I get I get really, really nervous and shaky when I hear preachers say we want we want to please our community. Now I understand, you know I hope they mean that in the right way. We want to have a good reputation in our community. Well, true, you know, I, I don't want people to think ill of Freedom Baptist Church, but however, if they think ill of Freedom Baptist Church. Because of what we believe, because of the Savior we follow, and the Bible says that if he got reproached, then we will get reproached. Then we ought to be willing to accept that. Uh, my goal is not first and foremost, and your goal should not be first and foremost, to to uh, uh, just uh, uh, you know, please everybody around you. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about particularly the lost world. Uh, You can't please them without compromise. There comes a point where, you know, you can be a blessing to them to a point and then they'll want you to step over the line. Uh Uh-uh, no, you don't do that. And Jesus never did that. And because he never did that, he got reproach and he got shame and he was willing to bear That's what taking up the cross is all about. The cross was a a shameful method of of execution. The the whole idea was to put the the individual up on that cross and, and, and put them to an open shame. And Jesus Christ did that. And he did that for you and me. Now, did he enjoy the shame? No, it says despising the shame. He despised it but but he didn't let the despising of it stop him from doing it and i'm sure glad he didn't because if 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 he didn't if he if he uh, let that thing uh stop him from going to the cross we wouldn't be saved today but uh but but we need to be willing to pick up that cross whatever it might be and whatever shame and reproach that we we receive because we follow christ We ought to be willing to do it. That's a disciple. Another thing a disciple does. In chapter 16, again, look down in verse 24 again. He says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, listen, you're not going to follow him right unless you first deny yourself. Secondly, you take up your cross, and then you follow him. But following Christ, you know, uh, I don't know it was probably man it's probably longer than this but at least 20 years ago I think uh, there came a a saying uh, into Christianity that was real popular and the, the saying was what would Jesus do you know WWJD and there were bracelets that people could wear and all kinds of stuff I never I never really cared for that I never did you say really Really, you don't, you don't like considering what would Jesus do? No, because what happens when you consider what would he do in your situation, speculation comes in. your feelings come in the whole nine yards okay don't don't look at what would Jesus do. look at what did Jesus do <laughs> you know there's a whole book full of it. Uh, Look and see what he... And I don't just mean the four Gospels. I mean, you know, some folks, uh, uh, you know, they, uh, they say, well, the, the words of Christ are the most important words in the Scriptures. I agree. I agree with that. This whole book is the words of Christ, okay? All of it. Uh, if we were really being, being true, and, I, and I'm not knocking the red-letter edition, all right? But if, the, if we're really being true, the red letter edition would be, your whole Bible would be the red letter edition, okay? Because that's what, that's what God said. And uh, uh, we, need to, we, we need to realize that it's not what would Jesus do, but what did he do and follow what he did? He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Don't tell me you're following God. Don't tell me you're a disciple of Christ and you never witness. Don't tell me you're a follower of God and you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're a disciple of his and you never pass out of track. Now, I know all that stuff has become more difficult. I understand that Uh, with this, you know, with this uh, COVID-19 and everything. Uh, it's, 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 It's difficult. It makes things uh different than what we're used to but you know what going into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature is still the command (laughs) it's still the command it's still your responsibility still my responsibility to tell others about jesus christ Um, desire to be like him and one of the one of the ways and we just read this here just a moment ago it says let this mind be in you which is also in christ jesus he became a servant it's, it's so important. One of the ways that we can follow Christ is to be a servant like, like he was a servant. The fifth thing that we need to, to, uh, to grab a hold of uh, when it comes to being a disciple, John chapter 13. John 13. And in John 13, in, down in verse 35, he says, "'By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples,' If you have love one to another, a disciple has obvious love for other believers. A disciple has obvious love for other believers. You know, I I believe in, I believe in standards. I think they're important. It's important to have personal standards to encourage holiness in your life. Uh, I, I believe uh, there are things you should do as a Christian. There's things that you should not do as a Christian, and uh, there I, I believe a Christian should dress appropriately. I think a, a Christian ought to, uh, you know, uh, present himself in a, or herself in a in an appropriate manner. But that's not how folks, according to Scripture, according to Jesus Christ Himself. That's not how folks. Know that you're a disciple. Bible says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciple, that you have love one toward another. Uh, the thing that convinces the lost of the reality of our faith is our love that we have one toward another. That's why I'm I'm a bug on some stuff. Like what I what I expressed during the, during the announcements this morning about getting ragging on each other and being critical of one another. I hate that stuff. I hate it. Now you say, you mean you never fall into it? Oh yeah, I fall into it way too often. And then when I recognize it, I hate it. I hate it. And I hope you you start to hate it too. Um, uh, that's the reason why church splits and problems and difficulties are are so damaging. You know what I've I've noticed has happened over over recent years? Christians will go to the social media and they will air their grievances, maybe not naming anybody, sometimes they do, but uh, maybe not necessarily naming anybody, but air their grievances with their church, with other believers, and do it online. That is stupid and let me tell you what else it is it's wicked it's wicked why because the whole world can see that stuff i mean it's a why do you think the internet is just for your buddies are you kidding me uh you know anybody can see that that stuff that's out there and uh, then we wonder why we're not winning the world we wonder why people look at, at, at Christianity and say, why would I want that? That's no better one I got. And it, and it really isn't. Uh, the Bible says that we ought to love one another. Uh, we need to have that, that, that deep, fervent love. And again, that's why a church, uh, any kind of church problems or that, that, that leak out into the community, or a church split, and I've seen, I've seen several of those, they can be devastating to a church's testimony in a community because that's violating that love one toward another that God said, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. All men. Uh, Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 13 says, Hatred stirreth up strife. I was talking about the other kind of hatred, okay? Not just a little less love, okay? this is talking about this kind of stuff. Hatred stirreth up strife. But then he goes on and says, but love covereth all sins. Let me ask you something. You got some sins you'd like to see covered? <laughs> I mean yours. Not, not, you say, oh, I'd like to see a lot of yours covered, preacher. Uh, yeah, I would too. Uh, you know how you get sins covered? You love people. You love people. And if you don't love people, let me tell you what you're doing. You're exposing yourself. I don't mean that in a in a lewd way. You're just you're you're opening up yourself, and people are realizing what sins you have. And and I, I've seen it, I've seen it in others' lives. I've seen it too graphically in my own life. So have a. Uh, a disciple will have an obvious love for other believers. And i just throw one more thing in there. You know, it, if, you're, if you can't wait to tell somebody else about somebody's problem or, or discuss it or talk on the phone or, or text them about it or, or talk to them about it in person six feet away, um, you know, uh, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. And you have only and you say, but I'm a disciple. No, you're just fooling yourself. Because by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one toward another. Next thing, John chapter 8. Back up just a little bit. John chapter 8. John 8. Look in verses 31 and 32. These folks had just gotten saved. Uh, in fact... Look in verse 30. It says, as he spake these words, that's Jesus, many believed on him. So right there, a bunch of folks uh, trusted Christ as their Savior. Then look at verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He says, if you continue in my word. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one. Continued just simply means to be consistent. It means to be obedient. It means you're not hot one day and cold the next. It means on a, on a regular basis you're striving to be obedient to God and you stay in the book. Again, don't tell me you're a disciple of Christ and you haven't read your Bible for five days. This doesn't it doesn't come out in the wash. How can you continue in something you're not even reading? You're not spending time in. Brother Brother Gip made a comment uh, several years ago, and it stuck with me. He made a he made a comment. He says, you know, he says uh, I tell people to read uh, ten pages a day in their Bible, and, and get through their Bible a few times a year. Uh, he says, I read 40. And he says, now, I don't read 40 because I'm better than you. He says, you know why I read 40 pages? Because I'm worse than you are. He says, I need that much Bible just to keep me straight. I thought, man, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Uh, you know, uh, in this, this last, about, about, about the last year or so, I've been striving to spend more time in my Bible. Why? Because, again, you can't can't continue in that which you don't spend time in. But it's not just talking about reading your Bible. It's talking about obeying it and being consistent in the Word. Then the last thing, Luke 14. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And look at verse 33. Luke 14, says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. It's forsaking all that we have. What, what are you holding on to that's stopping you from being sold out? Now let me tell you what that, that verse does not mean. It does not mean you have to go on out and have a garage sale for everything that's in your house and be thrown out on the street. Doesn't mean that at all. It means that if anything is holding you back, then that thing has you. God doesn't. Whether it be a job, whether it be a family member, whether it be a whether it be uh uh things that you have. Uh, uh, temporal values, whatever it is, if you're holding on to something that you would not give up for Christ, then that thing has become an idol. And that's why the Bible says that covetousness is as idolatry. Um, You know, think of it this way. If, if If there's one thing you couldn't do, what would it be? One thing I... You know if god asked me to do this i'm not so sure i'd do it what is it well everybody's answer is going to be different but let me ask you this you may maybe don't want to do it but are you willing to do it because you love him more than you dislike that thing that you don't want to do or that you don't want to give up for him so these are things that the bible makes very clear that are requirements for being a disciple. Love for Christ is a requirement. Love for Christ above all. Denying ourselves, taking up our cross, following Christ. Uh, an obvious love for the believers. I mean obvious, it's, it's forthright. Uh, uh, an obedience to the word and, and consistency and then forsaking all that we have. Now, in conclusion, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 9. And with this I will close. Luke chapter 9, and look down in verses 57 through62. Luke 9:57 through62. it says, "And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, "Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest." And Jesus said unto him, "Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head." You don't hear anything else from that guy after that. Verse 59, And he said unto another, Follow me. And he, but he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Verse 61, And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at my at home at my house and jesus said unto him no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of god now what he's what he's addressing here are three three hindrances that will stop us from following christ and really being a disciple of his first one is uncertainty lack of security uh, these are these are, you know, he says that the son of man hath not where to rest his head. And this guy evidently, because nothing said about him thereafter, uh, allowed that to discourage him. You know, uh, one of the one of the misnomers we have in Christianity is you get saved and all your problems just kind of dissolve. <laughs> oh, no, they don't. No, sometimes they bubble up and fester. <laughs> and uh, sometimes you get problems you didn't even have before you got saved. But you've got the grace of God to get you through. But you've got a God who will give you promises to help you and strengthen you and give you wisdom. So uh, uncertainties and, and lack of security can be, a, can be a hindrance. Another one, verse 59 and 60 uh f- Finishing our own desires, finishing our own tasks, uh, doing things at my time, my schedule. This is just simply priorities. Priorities. What is number one? If Christ is not number one, you cannot be a disciple. If his priorities are not your priorities, you cannot be a disciple. And then last of all, verses 61 and 62 uh, he says, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go. Bid them farewell, which are at, my, at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. His, the, the, the family ties were pulling on him. And because of that, he was procrastinating. He said, well, I'll do it. But I'll do it. You know, years ago, uh, and I've heard several guys uh, say this kind of thing. But, uh, but years ago, I remember hearing one man in particular. He told me, he says, You know, he says, Br- Brother, he says, I want to do exactly what you're doing. Boy, says, I I want to live for God all the time. But I can't do it right now because I'm, I'm working a job and I got to make money so that I can retire. But as soon as I retire, as soon as I retire, hmm. Then I'll go full out for God. You know, you know what the problem is he's procrastinating. By the way, that guy never did it. He never did. It. And you and I won't either. If if we let problems, priorities, or procrastination stop us, we'll not be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Here's the question, and I'm done. Are you, right now, where you sit, a disciple? Of jesus christ or is something maybe someone hindering you let's bow our heads for prayer father i'm so thankful for the clarity of scripture and uh when we pick up a term like the term disciple which just simply means one who follows another uh you don't just give us the term And a a meager definition, I mean you lay it out for us. And you've laid out for us in Scripture the requirements for being a disciple. Lord, I know what your desire is. Your desire is for every single one of us who are here in this sanctuary, every single one of us who are watching this broadcast, if those people are saved, that they become a disciple of Jesus Christ and it, it's not going to take a week and it's not going to take a month and it's not going to take a year they can start doing it now but sometimes we don't because there's something hindering us we need to lay aside that hindrance and just decide decide we're going to follow you and we're going to start out by just loving the lord our god with all our heart all our soul all our mind all our strength i found this lord that just getting my heart right on that part usually takes care of a bunch of the other stuff. Father, we pray that you'd work in our hearts this morning, and God, I pray for those that might be, might be without Christ. They don't know for sure if they die today that they go to heaven. They still think they have to work for it. They still think that uh, that that uh, there's something that they have to do. Lord, the truth of the matter is, it has been done it's finished and the finished work of christ on the cross your death your burial your resurrection purchased our salvation for us all we simply need to do is believe on you god i pray that you'd have your will and way in this invitation this morning god uh, speak to our hearts and tug on our heartstrings and may we let go of anything that is uh, uh, hindering us from following you a hundred percent in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.